Good morning, everyone. Welcome to today's webinar. What is debt consolidation and should I consolidate? Now, before we get started, I'm just going to go over a few items with you so you know how to participate in today's event. You will have an opportunity to submit text questions to today's presenters by typing your questions into the questions pane of the control panel, and we will be taking questions throughout the presentation today. All right, so first of all, my name is Joel Eisenberger. I am a senior personal banker here with Bank Cherokee. Uh, I began working with Bank Cherokee in my current position uh, back in September, 2017. I'm a Winona State graduate, go Warriors, with a degree in marketing back in 2016. Played football all through college. I am originally from Madison, Wisconsin, so I hope any of you tuning in today are not gonna hold that against me. All right, so just uh, really briefly wanted to give a little bit of background about our bank. So Bank Cherokee was founded in 1908. 2018 marked 110 years in business for Bank Cherokee. We have been family owned throughout the bank's entire history. We currently have a fourth generation of that family actively working in the bank, and it's currently the third generation of that family that is in bank senior leadership. Uh, this next slide, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on here, but this is just another little more in-depth timeline with some historical markers for Bank Cherokee. All right, so I am here to talk to you guys today about debt consolidation and why that might be a good idea despite what's going on in our crazy world right now. All right, so first big question around debt consolidation, why now? Why is now a good time to consider this given again what's going on in the world? So what we're seeing currently, interest rates are at historic lows across the board. Now we also, again, as we've mentioned, are seeing that families and businesses have been struggling with the varying impacts of COVID. Those varying impacts of this pandemic have led to, in some cases, some high interest debt loads for people. And now what we're beginning to see, and hopefully this will continue, is that some industries have begun to stabilize, some employees have been able to come back to work, and uh, this is largely a result of some of the stimulus measures that have come to pass. All right, so again, talking debt consolidation here, what are my options? What are your options? So the first question when you're considering this that you wanna ask yourself, are you a business owner or are you a consumer? What type of assets do you or your business currently own? And then lastly, what type of debt is it that you've accrued? Is this personal loans? Are these credit card balances? Are these uh, debt to a family member or to a friend? Now, moving forward, now digging into the weeds a little deeper, how much debt do you have? Are you talking a debt load of $10,000 or less? And then again, winding back, what type of debt is this? When you're looking at that level of indebtedness, some possible solutions that could work for you could be uh, potentially taking advantage of a balance transfer promotion through a credit card. That's typically done credit card to credit card. Another option could be, depending on what assets you own, some sort of consolidation loan where you would be pledging some type of collateral. Now that could be a vehicle, that could be a brokerage account, that could be a certificate of deposit or a savings account. There are some different options there as far as types of collateral that you could use to do a debt consolidation loan. Now, on the flip side, what if that debt load that you have is greater than $10,000? Again, you need to ask yourself, what type of debt is this that I've accrued? Now, when you're looking at that dollar amount that's $10,000 or more, some possible solutions for that type of debt load could be a home equity line of credit. It could be a home equity installment loan. 
you could look at doing a cash out refinance. And then again, too, you could potentially look at the balance transfer option on a credit card. So next up, I just wanted to run through a couple really basic uh, sample scenarios for you. So in this first example, we're gonna look at customer John Smith. Now, John Smith, he's accrued a balance of about $8,000 on a personal credit card. A lot of this was due to being furloughed during uh, the early months of the COVID crisis. His empl employment situation has since resumed and stabilized. Now, looking at that debt that John has accrued, his interest rate on that credit card is at 18%. That's a very typical credit card rate. You are generally gonna see those rates uh, encroaching on 20%. In some cases, it could be more than 20%. Now, John Smith, after talking to me, he elected to apply for a Visa Platinum card with Bank Cherokee to take advantage of a great promotion that we have, which is 20 months at 0% interest. That includes balance transfer options. Now, if and when John Smith was approved, he would have to pay a $240 balance transfer fee. And then what he would be wanting to do if he was able to afford it, make $400 monthly payments to pay off that debt to keep within that 20 month 0% window. Now, what, are, what would be the results for John in that kind of scenario? Now, as we already mentioned, he would incur a $240 balance transfer expense. He would, and this could vary, you know, depending on your budget situation, but you know, in this scenario, he was able to afford paying $400 a month until that debt was eliminated while maintaining that 0% interest 20 month window. Now, if let's just say John had not decided to take advantage of this promotion for whatever reason. In that same 20 month period, if John Smith had only paid his minimum payment on that credit card balance, he would have accrued roughly about $2,600 in interest during that same 20 month period. And if he was only paying that minimum payment at that point, 20 months later, after accruing that much interest, he would still be quite literally years away from settling that debt. So that's even more years of all that interest money accruing. So looking at a second sample situation here, if we were looking at uh, customer Jane Doe, now customer Jane Doe had a major home repair that came up while she was also furloughed. In order to get the cash quick to cover this expense because Jane did not have the money to come up with this on her own, she was forced to take out a personal loan for $30,000. Now Jane Doe's employment is stable. She has been brought back to work. Now on this personal loan, that she had to take out because there wasn't a better option that could get her the money quick at that point. Her interest rate on that personal loan is at 12%. And it's on a five-year term. That 12% on five years, that comes out to be about $667.34 for a monthly payment. Now, with this, let's say that you know Jane came in and she spoke with me. We looked at the situation. After reviewing her situation, we decided that Jane should look to entertain a home equity term loan. We could amortize that loan over the same period of time. So this new loan would be over five years, just like the old one. However, because her home does not have a loan on it currently, we could get her at a 4% interest rate on that debt. So Jane Doe, after reviewing everything, she was approved. She was on the hook and had to pay $507 worth in closing fees for this transaction because it is a home equity loan. There are some closing fees that apply for those transactions. Now, what do those results look like for Jane? So Jane Doe, as we already mentioned, 
She had to pay $507 in closing fees for that transaction. Her new monthly payment comes out to be $552.04 per month. For those of you doing math at home, that's $114.84 less than her previous arrangement. So her monthly payment has gone down. Now under this new arrangement, the total interest that she is going to pay on that loan comes out to be, it's a pretty exact calculation here, $3,149.68. If she had let everything stand pat and paid the debt off as it was originally designed on that five-year loan, 12% interest, the total interest she would have paid on that first loan comes out to be over $10,000. So just by doing uh, some really quick work, paying 500 and some dollars in those closing fees, she's able to save herself uh, a little less than $7,000 in interest over the life of that loan. Those are some crazy savings and a lot of it, it doesn't take too much work to be able to get something like that in place. All right, and it sounds like we have a couple questions from the audience, so we will Look at doing those in just one moment here. Okay, Joel, our first question. For a home equity loan, how much equity do I need in my house to qualify for a home equity loan? So at the moment, and this does vary by institution a little bit, but specifically for Bank Cherokee, what you would want to be is at a 70%, what we call a loan to value mark. That is what we are able to lend. So that's looking at the value of your home. We can go up to 70% of the value of that home. Now, if you have a mortgage currently in place, we do need to take into account your current mortgage balance. So the easy math to do, you, what's the value of my home? I multiply that by 70%. I subtract what my first mortgage balance is, and voila, that is the amount of equity that you could look to tap into. Another question. How long does it take to get a home equity loan? Awesome, so typically, and this would depend slightly on uh, the dollar amount of the loan that you're looking to do, but I would say the majority of the time we can get a home equity loan in place generally between two to three weeks. So that is a lot of times a lot quicker of a turnaround than if you were doing a full on mortgage refinance or if you have, you know, if those of you that remember purchasing your home, that those transactions take a lot longer typically than a home equity loan would. Well, I need an appraisal. So that depends on the dollar amount of the loan that you're looking to do. Typically, an appraisal is not required unless the loan that you're looking to do uh, is over $250,000. So a lot of the times you are able to get by without having to do a full appraisal, which is good because that saves money on your end as the customer. Great. Now let's go back to the credit card scenario. If you, if you do a debt consolidation onto a new credit card with the 20-month 0%, do you recommend not using that card for purchases after the balance transfer? So that depends on what your limit of the card that you were approved for was and how much you are going to transfer over. Because that zero, per, just for us specifically, the current promotion we have available, that applies for balance transfers as well as purchases. So another thing that you're seeing right now is with a lot of these 0% promotions is exactly what I just said. It does apply for purchases and for balance transfers. So another neat tool for that could be to use it for purchases. I mean, say you had a major appliance go down, you had to replace it. 
you have a 0% 20-month financing option now to come up with that replacement cost. So I would say, long answer, but it would kind of depends on your specific scenario. Thank you. That concludes the questions for now. Excellent. All right. So transitioning to the next portion of our webinar, I am going to introduce John Kavaznik. Uh, John Kavaznik is a hobbyist beekeeper who became a passionate advocate of bees about five years ago after researching the environmental impact of their dwindling population. Since then, uh, the longtime financial planner has become an expert in the room on beekeeping. It's his biggest passion and it also significantly boosts his commitment to environmental, social, and governance for ESG investing. And it helped him flesh out his goal of managing the majority of his practice within his ESG niche market. Now, John's been a financial planner for 28 years and has been with Cherokee Investments since 1996. Jonathan provides financial planning and investment planning for individuals and small businesses. He has been quoted as an ESG financial advisor by USA Today. He has also been featured on the NBC local affiliate KARE11 and is a regular financial contributor on WCCO's Hey, It's Corey Heppola show. So Jonathan is a graduate of the University of Minnesota and holds the FINRA General Securities Representative License, or Series 7, the Uniform Securities Agent State Law License, or Series 63, the Uniform Investment Advisor Law License, or Series 65, and the General Securities Principal, or Series 64, as well as Minnesota Life Accident and Health Insurance Licenses. And with that, I am going to turn the floor over to John. Well, good morning and uh, welcome. Uh, I think that was an awesome presentation about how really to handle specifically the uh, information regarding how you could consolidate some of your debt. So uh, as Joel mentioned, I'm the financial advisor here at Bank Cherokee with Cherokee Investment Services. And one of the things that I like to use as an approach is a holistic or overall viewpoint so that our clientele can really understand the best approach to tackling their debt and how it fits into their overall picture as far as financially. And so I'm going to go through a little bit about how debt consolidation can work and what you should be considering when you're looking at it from a financial planning aspect. And then as you see from the earlier presentation part, you'll be able to determine if some of those ideas, home equity loans, uh, credit cards, or maybe borrowing from retirement plans is an appropriate way for you to tackle your debt and consolidate it. So let me start with the uh, beginning of the presentation here. I'm going to go on to the screen. And I'm going to see uh, three tips. So we're going to start with what is a debt versus debt situation. And so if we think about it, debt situation is a situation where you find yourself where you're spending more on a monthly or annual basis than you're really capable of paying off in a short timeline, right? So a good example would be using my credit card, thinking that maybe it's going to be a short-term debt, and then discovering that I'm actually accruing more expenses on a monthly basis or an annual basis than I'm able to pay off of my credit card in the short run then it becomes a situation where now I have some very expensive debt that potentially was supposed to be short-term and now it becomes long-term, but I'm really not managing it that way. And so there's some things we want to discuss and review and look over uh, in a general way uh, from a financial planning to determine what's the best approach to be able to consolidate that and relieve yourself of that pressure. Right, we're going to talk about why, when is debt actually really concerning? So if you think about the household debt in the country as a whole, is huge, it's $13.29 trillion. And really uh, what we're trying to figure out is are people saving or are people not saving 
uh, at the pace they're supposed to, right? And so I think what we're going to talk about today is debt consolidation, right? And how, whether uh, it's affecting, affecting you in a negative fashion. Um, but we also can see that people in the current environment are less social, less able to go out and spend money. And when I was on the uh, CCO radio show with Corey, we talked about how debt as a whole has actually come down. And mostly that's because people are not able to get out and spend the money at the pace they were for discretionary items. And here's a great opportunity to talk to someone like Joel at Bank Cherokee and realize how can I reduce my debt now when I'm actually slowing the pace of its accumulation. And the exception may be also if my employment status changes, well, then we have to address that. But if you're still employed and you have the opportunity to maybe consolidate your debt, let's talk about the opportunity now while maybe there's a little less pressure of it accruing at the same pace it has been in the past. Okay. And one of the other areas that we look at is if we look at the slide there is 25% of the retirees have to continue to work in their retirement in order to be able to retire. And so what we're trying to accomplish both from a financial planning standpoint in the investment services area and from the debt consolidation uh, services on the banking side is to see how you can eliminate that and not have that burden when you go into retirement and therefore have an easier retirement and have less stress and pressure, okay? So three tips for tackling our debt. Let's go over them. First, we have to recognize that we have a debt problem, right? So as Joe mentioned, maybe you have it on credit cards, maybe you have it in uh, a loan on your mortgage on your house, or maybe you just have a really high uh, car loan, or maybe you had to take and get out a loan from a furnace company or a repair company, and you find yourself in debt. So we first have to say, okay, do we have a current problem? And if we do, let's recognize that and figure out how we're gonna address it. Then we wanna understand how much it's costing us. You saw from some of the examples earlier that there's ways to reduce the cost of that debt. And most of that cost is gonna come from the interest you're going to be paying the financial institution or the lender. And what we wanna do is understand what are we really paying on that debt and how is that then a burden on our ability to save for our own future later? So, and the third piece we wanna talk about is how are we gonna take control of that and what action can you do as the consumer and really as a client to make sure that you can take control of that situation and control that debt and have it be more manageable and hopefully eliminate it so it's not really stressing you out and giving you the burden that we don't really want as we go into later stages of life. So first thing, recognizing the debt. Are we gonna uh, sit here and worry about how we're gonna pay our bills? Are we gonna have balances on several credit cards or different installment loans that are hard to keep track of, that are at different rates, that are very expensive on a monthly basis? Can you afford to only pay the minimum? So if you find yourself in a situation where you have credit card debt and you have loans, but really all you can do is pay the minimum and you can never get ahead, we wanna recognize that and figure out if that's a situation we wanna to try to remedy. And then you don't have any emergency funds. You find yourself every single month trying to play catch up and you have no reserve in case something bad happens in the future. And so it just becomes a vicious cycle. And so we wanna recognize that. And if we can recognize that, then we can look at the options available to you to be able to really put yourself in a better position. So let's understand the cost of the debt. Uh, in the earlier example, we talked about how you could reduce the actual interest rate you're being charged. And one of the things that's key is if we look at this example, right? And we're gonna have a $10,000 loan that we have to pay interest on. In one year's timeline at 12.5%, if we go to the far right column where it says cost of the debt, it's costing us $689 extra just to have the privilege of utilizing that $10,000 for that year. And that's assuming we're making a monthly payment. And then you see the five-year average there shows us that we're gonna be 13,498. So we're paying a lot more money, 17,565 over 10 years, right? 
So what we're trying to avoid is paying money out that we can't afford, but also then how are we gonna get ahead if the original amount we're using has this huge cost associated with it that we may not think about when we actually go to utilize the credit card or we take out the 20 month free loan from the uh, furnace company or the furniture company, right? So we have to take all this into account and figure out how to best manage our debt. So taking control, we need to change our approach, right? We need to consider if the way that we're charging our, our, our needs and we're using the debt is the most uh, efficient and the most appropriate. Should we be putting our long-term debt that we know we won't pay off for 10 years or longer on a credit card? Probably not. So if you look at the slide, we really wanna consider changing our approach, understanding where's the best places for that debt to be situated and what's the best tool to actually manage that, right? And so again, it might be using a home equity loan or it might be using a mortgage as a much more efficient and cheaper way if the debt's gonna be there for a long time and we wanna try to get ahead. Or we also might wanna consider seeking the professional advice of someone like Joel, who does a lot of debt consolidation and loans, or even seeing a debt consolidation counselor, who then can kind of look at it as an overall picture, or talk to your financial advisor, because that's what we're here to do as well, is to kind of look at all of your financial situation, all of your assets, all of your monthly expenses, and say, is there a better way we can do this? So that's the first thing, we want to take control. We want to change our approach, right? Key is trying to limit the use of the credit card usage, as you can see on the list, for long-term debt. We really want to utilize that for our short-term needs. We're going to go on a vacation. We're going to go buy something at the restaurants. We're going to go buy something at Walmart, Kmart, wherever we're going. We want to make sure that we utilize that credit card with the idea that we're hopefully going to pay that off at the end of the month. We're not going to have it sit there for the five or 10 year timeline. And we want to pay on our credit cards that have high interest rates first, right? So if you think about, you have a zero interest uh, credit card at Bank Cherokee that you just did, but then you still have some debt out there that is at 21%. We want to try to pay off, of course, the higher debt uh, interest rates first. And we want to try to consolidate as much as that as we can on the lower interest rate credit card. Or potentially right now, you could even have it as zero interest rate credit card or a zero interest rate that it won't have any costs associated with it going forward. And one of the things that a lot of people are finding themselves in a situation of how to pay for tuition, we want to really resist using credit cards to pay our student tuition, right? Whether it's for my child or for myself, I really don't want to do that. I really want to utilize a longer term loan and I want to be able to have that be the tool rather than using credit cards that are designed for short term and extending it into long term situations. All right, so consider your home. So if you're fortunate enough to own a home and you're fortunate enough that you've been there long enough where you've built up some equity, we had the question earlier about you know, how much equity do I have to have in my home? And if you think about that, you've accumulated that equity, you've done a good job of being a homeowner, and now you have all this other debt sitting out there, could you utilize your home by doing a home equity loan, refinancing it, and either getting uh, a mortgage, home equity loan, or just trying to shorten it up so that you can get rid of that debt faster, but leveraging your home as the tool, because in one situation, you might find that you don't have to worry about uh, the deductibility of it, but on the other hand, you might get to deduct it if you put it on a home equity loan and you're able to utilize that as your asset to really leverage that to get the interest rate down. So also seek help. So I say come in and talk to a banker, talk about whether or not you can do some debt consolidation, but seek help from a professional who does it on a daily basis, and they can look at your situation along with your advisor and figure out if there's some ways that you can utilize tools that you have available to you that you might not have thought of on your own or that you're just feeling overwhelmed because you're not the expert, is to 
sit down with someone who understands credit and loan and your situation and your monthly expenses and figure that out so you can put together a game plan, right? And then implement a really affordable repayment schedule if you're burdened by the fact that you're just sinking right now under the burden of huge monthly payments. So your debt's under control, so what can you do now? If you've done a really good job, you met with somebody at a bank, you got your debt consolidated, you feel like you have a monthly payment now that you can really afford and handle and take care of, you lowered your interest rates because you were able to consolidate it into areas that wouldn't charge you as much interest, and now what? Well, the first thing we really wanna take care of is building up an emergency fund, right? So why is that so important? The emergency fund is really important because if you find yourself in a situation where something unforeseen happens again, we'll find ourselves going right back to the short-term debt to get ourselves out of the problem. And then it'll just be a vicious circle that we never can get out of. So we wanna be able to utilize the fact that now you have a little bit of cushion, you gave yourself a little bit of relief by consolidating that debt. Let's take some of that monthly savings that you were paying on credit cards or loans and see if we can build up an emergency reserve so that if something happens, you'll be able to go to that and utilize that instead of charging more things on loans and debt, okay? And then we might wanna boost our retirement savings. The longer we have this debt and the longer you're under that stress and the less cash flow you have on a monthly basis, the less likely you are then to be able to build up your retirement. And so that would be a nice way to say, I consolidated my debt, I relieved myself of this large monthly payment, I got it to go down a little bit, I saved some interest rate uh, cost, but now I gotta start saving for my own retirement or I'm not gonna be able to retire because this is gonna be a vicious cycle that just continues. And so we wanna talk about boosting that, okay? So how much of an emergency fund? That's kind of a key question that people ask a lot is, okay, so if I have the ability to save some emergency funds now and I wanna do that, the rule of thumb is to have three to six months of your income in an emergency fund in case either A, you run up uh, a, a debt that you can't afford. Well, we don't wanna do that, right? So what we're trying to do is say is, if I lose my job or a furnace breaks or I have an unexpected uh, medical expense, I can go to my savings account and my emergency fund and utilize that. And I don't have to use my credit cards, my home equity line of credit until I find myself in a more severe situation. This way I have three to six months. I have a little bit of cushion. I was able to build that up. And then I'll replenish that if I have to deplete it. But that's the key is to have an emergency fund. So let's talk about if you're able to utilize some of that savings from consolidating for your retirement. So here's a great example. I'll just go through the slide kind of briefly is if you're able to then afford to put an extra 1% of your income, assuming you made $35,000 a year, is it would really only change your take home pay by $5 a pay, paycheck on a weekly basis, okay? What's interesting about this sample is your take home pay actually is even affected less in Minnesota because this assumes a 25% tax bracket, but because we have a very high state income tax bracket, you'll actually even save more and you'll actually feel less of an effect on your take home pay if you put money into your retirement account than the sample even shows. So think about that. If you were able to put 1% away of your pay on a $35,000 income, if you look at the right-hand column, you'd almost have $50,000 saved when you went to retire. Okay, and then the example shows if you were able to bump it up by another $5 a week, or if you're able to bump it up by another $20 a week. So again, if you could just put away 5% of your income instead of zero because you had such a burden with all of this monthly expense on debt, you'd actually have almost $250,000 in the right-hand column when you went to retire potentially. And I think this is the key. Save in an emergency fund so you make sure you have it for an emergency, and then also make sure that you're saving for your retirement so you don't find yourself 
with no assets to be able to live on down the road because debt has always been a problem, okay? So remember the three tips, recognize my debt, understand the cost of my debt, and take control of my debt. Those are the three areas we wanna remember and the three tips we wanna utilize. And then you can take advantage of some of the information we shared today about what is the best area uh, to go to do that. Is it better to do the home equity line? Is it better to do the mortgage? Is it better to talk to Joel about credit card consolidation? You know, those types of things, all right? And then for uh, just for a second, I'm just gonna go over the, the legality is uh, for compliance. I'm just supposed to make sure that you understand uh, that we're not representing any specific products and that because of our securities license on the Cherokee investment uh, side of the bank, we have to let you know that everything we talk about is through Securities America and is not FDIC insured or guaranteed. So I think what we'd like to do now is say thank you very much for uh, attending and sitting in on this conversation. Um, there may be some questions if anyone has a question or maybe uh, you put it in already into the chat box, then we'll go ahead and answer some of those questions. Great, John, we do have a question for you. If I do have a lot of debt, should I stop contributing to my 401k? Right, so if we think about the example of the slide that showed what happens when we don't save for retirement, here's a great example, right? So if I have a lot of debt and I'm always feeling burdened, there's a saying uh, in the financial advisory uh, industry of pay yourself first, right? So we have to have a balance. And so everything can't be extremes or everything can't be pure. And so if you can see, if you can afford to put even 1% away, at least when you do the 1%, you're saving something for retirement and we have to kind of come up with a balanced approach. So yes, you wanna to try to as best you can save into your retirement accounts, um, even though you have some of the debt, but we wanna to put together a plan to make sure that we're accomplishing what the goal is. And then we can adjust based on that plan. I'd like to thank everyone. Uh, I think we had a lot of good information take place. Um, Joel and I uh, look forward to any future questions you might have that you either want to email to us or that you would like to just give us a call. Our contact information is on the screen there. Uh, Joel, of course, is a licensed mortgage lender and uh, banker that can help you with all of those uh, situations. I can help you put together a game plan and look at your overall holistic financial planning needs. And together here at Bank Cherokee and Cherokee Investments, we can really give you the whole one-stop uh, holistic approach to your financial needs. So again, thank you very much for attending. Uh, Joel and I really appreciate you giving us your time today, and we look forward to seeing you either in the bank or virtually. Thanks, Thanks to everybody. everybody. If you have any questions, please contact Jonathan Kavaznik at jkavaznik, that's K-V-A-S-N-I-K, at securitiesamerica.com. ESG Players Podcast can be found on iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and many other platforms through the Backroom Studios. That's Backroom Studios, S-T-E-W-D-I-O-S. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC, Jonathan B. Kavaznik, CHFC, registered representative of Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisories, Inc., Cherokee Investment Services, Bank Cherokee, and Securities America are separate companies, not FDIC insured, no bank guarantees, may lose value, not insured by any government agency, not bank deposits.